This is Stephen Adams. And this is Kevin Dr- oh, sorry. <laughs> Kevin Durant. <laughs> You're Kevin Durant, mate. <laughs> good to see you, mate. Different complexion. Okay, let's go to you. So, this is Stephen Adams. And this is Anna's Cantor. You're listening to the Down to Earth. Down to Dunk podcast. What? Down to, down to Dunk. Down to Dunk. I'll down say that. Dunk. Introduce yourself, mate. Here's Stephen Adams, and I'm Anna's Cantor. And you're listening to Down to Dunk podcast. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Down to Dunk Podcast. This is your host, Andrew Schlecht. And with me today, Adam Joseph of 16 Wins a Ring. Adam, how's it going? Good, thanks, man. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thank you for coming on. Uh, so right now, it's 6.41 a.m. in Oklahoma. Tell, tell our listeners where you're at and what time it is, because this is just this kind of blows my mind a little bit. Uh, I am in Melbourne, Australia. It is 11.42 p.m. on a Monday night, and I, I'm a, it's a Monday morning where you are, so, yeah, so it's, a bit, it's a bit different. What was Monday like? I haven't experienced it yet. It was disappointing. Oh, no. It was very disappointing. <laughs> um, my, my basketball team that I cover did not show up to their game. Um, it was just, just stock standard Monday, unfortunately. Uh, let's, let's get into it a little bit. So, last night... The Thunder played the Mavericks, and you thought, oh, the Thunder should beat the Mavericks, uh, but they get clobbered <laughs> by this Dallas yeah. Mavericks team. Uh, they also lost at Phoenix over the weekend, which was really disappointing. They lost a really close game to the Blazers that we covered a little bit. Uh, Adam, what's going, what's going on with this team right now? Well, I think it starts with Victor Oladipo's injury. We saw last time he was out, and the team was... They got whooped at Utah, at Portland. Uh, I think it puts so much of a load in terms of ball handling on Russell Westbrook, not to mention the fact that like the backcourt is already thin and the, so is the roster in terms of just general ball handling it. And we know that Russell's usage is through the roof. And I think we also overrate the, um, the ability to for, for players to adjust after trades because – they're getting traded right at the deadline. I mean, we saw with Anthony Morrow, he literally left with a bag of clothes for Chicago. It takes time for all that to come together, and it's a frustrating three-game spell. It probably cost the team 50 wins on the season. It hurts Russ's MVP case, but I think in a microcosm, it's not as bad as people think, but it's it's easy to understand why everyone is frustrated. Yeah, no question. This is it's maybe we talked about it before we started, but this could be the worst three game stretch for the Thunder just because of the quality of the opponent. Mostly, I think that they may have played worse at times, but the quality of the opponent is is really really tough to kind of swallow. The fact that they lost to the Blazers, Phoenix, and Dallas are all below five hundred, uh, but their defense last night was just atrocious and a lot of it was they played Dirk at the five a lot and it just drug Steven Adams way out there and then the defense was dead <laughs> I mean it was pretty yeah. it was pretty simple for the Mavs to uh, figure out what to do against the Thunder well that's it and um, a lot of people were pointing out on Twitter that defensive rotations were very slow I think that comes with players learning new rotations mm-hmm. in terms of who they're on the court with uh, not to mention the new players who are sort of getting there and they've certainly battled the last few games Doug McDermott in particular but the Dallas's small lineup just killed OKC from start to finish I mean their starters were so I believe Dirk Nowitzki was plus 26 in his 30 odd minutes it just 
it was very, very ugly. I don't think with the matchups, OKC seemed to have on Dallas. Nobody expected it to be such a blowout. No, no. And, and one of the things about this Thunder team is that they came out of the All-Star break hitting threes. They were 43%, even after the Portland game, they were hitting 43% of their threes. And then they go to Phoenix and they shoot 9 of 20, or 9 of 35 for 25%. And then last night they were 2 of 22 for 9% from three. So the the regression to the mean happened really fast and really harshly. It was, was kind of ridiculous. Uh, and Victor Oladipo helps with that. And another thing Vic does is he comes in and he can play perimeter defense on their best two guard. I think they really missed him in Portland and in Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix, they're not a good team, but they have two really good guards that play together a lot. And when you have those guys like Portland does, I think it's really hard for the Thunder to defend them whenever it's either Doug McDermott or Alex Sabrina's trying to defend them. Um, and I know that Robertson defended them as well, but you're, it, it makes it, it just makes the rotations really hard. And especially like you said, you got new guys who are trying to learn the system. Uh, Victor's absence has really been felt. Well, how, how important do you think Victor Oladipo is to this team? Well, I think it, it, it's tough. So it starts with defense where they really miss him to take the, the best small wing. And you can't really slide Roberson into that spot because I think he actually struggles against smaller, quicker wings mm-hmm. uh, where he's, he's, he's better off probably playing on the bigger-bodied wing, and he's done really well in that role this season. I think that's why he has so, so much success against a player like James Harden, who's a bit bigger and slower, and that suits um, Dre a little bit better. But And then on offense, just not having a secondary ball handler a good corner shooter, and then not to mention losing a Brainess in the second half today. Uh, and what really scared me is um, seeing the guys from OKC Thunderheads tweet out that they've been the worst three-point shooting team since the All-Star break, even though they had the 12 in a row against Utah. Like, that is terrifying to me. Yeah, and it, and it was basically because of last night, right? I mean, they, they had shot the ball really well up until last night, and then they only had two threes, both coming from Russell Westbrook. And they only took 22. I mean, McDermott missed both of his. Norris Cole came in and missed three. Cantor had a heave. Uh, I mean, Robertson, he came out kind of hitting after the All-Star break. He's not hitting. Uh, Sabonis hadn't been hitting for months. Um, and then Abrinas played 10 minutes. So I think when you get Victor Oladipo back, and one, and one thing about it is that this, this Thunder team basically traded a shooter for a shooter with Vic going out. And with Doug McDermott coming in, when Vic comes back, and if everybody can be healthy, then you have McDermott, Abrinas, and Oladipo who can all shoot, uh, which I think will be really helpful, and they'll all three be you know solidly in the rotation. Uh, but this te- this team, and we I've said this a lot, like this is still a development year, and they've made that very clear in the fact that they've started Demonis Sabonis. They played him twenty minutes last night. He was not very good. Um, once again, his, he had an offensive rating of 55 and a defensive rating of 110 <laughs> last night. I mean, it was really, really bad. Um, but the Thunder really value the the fact that they can develop him this year and still make the playoffs and still kind of accomplish their goals. Um, what, what do you think about their approach uh, with starting him uh, versus just bringing in Todd Gibson, basically giving you know your best team going forward uh, in the starting lineup. What do you what do you think about their approach? Well, it's it's a hard sell because fans in Oklahoma City are used to a certain level of success, and this is a this is a tough reality check going to a 
young rebuilding team on the fly that also has a top five player in the NBA at the same time, it's quite a rare situation. And we know how much the Thunder bank on internal development. And I think I've heard you guys speak about this before, but it's a very Greg Popovich thing to do to plug a young guy into the starting lineup to give him important minutes, get him some touches, so that later in the season, if they can, if they need to, they can opt for that option. But I don't have a problem with him starting. I don't think he starts in the playoffs. I think Taj steadily grows into the role, and I think when they need more defense, and I think it'll always be matchup based with someone like Billy Donovan, but. I don't have a problem with Sabonis starting because I think we we do have to look at the bigger picture. What if OKC doesn't re-sign Cantor? That mean I mean not sorry Cantor Gibson. So what does that mean for Sabonis, Jeremy Grant, and players who will step into those minutes over time? Like we don't know what OKC's plans are for the summer. Uh, so it's it's a really it's a really tough question. But I do think Gibson will steadily take more and more of Sabonis's minutes down the line because we can see that the rookie wall has hit. Uh, DeMontis Simone is very, very hard yeah. over the last, well, since January 1st, really, I would right. say. I'd like to thank Chicken Express for sponsoring today's podcast. You can go to a Chicken Express location. They're all over Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, some in Arkansas. There's even some in Georgia, just kind of east of Atlanta. So if you're in that area, Go check out a Chicken Express. Uh, they're really known for their chicken tenders, which are delicious. Uh, you can get their four-piece meal, even a seven-piece meal uh, that you can share with somebody. But they also have hot wings that are really delicious. They also have livers and gizzards. So this is not just like your run-of-the-mill fast food chicken place. Like They've got really good stuff. they got mashed potatoes and gravy that's delicious. They've got fried okra, corn on the cob, mac and cheese. It's great. Go check out Chicken Express today. I'm still a big believer in him, but he he's been really brutal, uh, and I he's been bad. I don't know how much it really helps his development to like play him a lot in the playoffs or to start him in the playoffs. I think that he can learn from the experience of being there, but when it comes down to the playoffs, this is where you kind of at least I hope you stop trying to develop these guys and you just try to win games because that's what the playoffs is all about. And I think that you, I mean. I think you can make an argument you just cut him from the rotation almost entirely and then you just give more minutes to Taj and Jeremy Grant and to Cantor. What, what do you think about that? Um, I think that there's there's a lot of doubt and there's obviously, you know what it's like in the wake of a loss or struggles. People are quick to jump on Billy Donovan's choice to have faith in his younger guys and pump minutes into them. But I think when I think we saw last year when it comes down to it, he's a really good coach, very good at analyzing situations, uh, knowing what changes to make. I mean, he outcoached Pop last year in the Western Conference semis, outcoached Steve Kerr for five games. Uh, it's 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 a tough it's a tough one. Like I just you know I'm. I'm not too sure on that. Like it's it's a it's a tough sell. Yeah, if I were to bet, I would I would guess that he's gonna play. Um, but if you're going to if you're trying to win, I would rather have those are the three guys on the court. Um, and that yeah, doesn't that absolutely. doesn't say that I don't I don't think he's gonna be a good player. I do. I I'm really high on him as a as the starting power forward for the Thunder going forward. But um, when he's 20 years old, he's clearly just not ready. Uh, so. That's kind of the direction that I would go, but I'm also definitely not an NBA coach or as smart as Billy Donovan or anything close to that. I have actually something on top of that. I think that 
we saw a lot about um, – we've seen a lot in the wake of these sort of things, and even in uh, a couple of the Twitter questions today that, that came through, one I saw a couple that related to Sabonis. Mm-hmm. I think it's easy for people to forget that, like, Sabonis is 20 years old. Like, what were you doing at 20 years of age? Were you mature, the best version of yourself? Absolutely not. He's a rookie. His career is not predetermined right now. And that's why they're pumping minutes into him. They want to see what he has. He was a lottery pick who was very good in the post at Gonzaga. But at OKC, he hasn't done that. He was asked to do something he's not done before. Step out to the three-point line. Take lots of jumpers. Don't do as much work in the post because Stephen Adams and Ennis Cantor take the bulk of those minutes down there. Mm-hmm. And I just think that it's it's tough. It's tough to accept that when, you, when you're a fan and you're demanding winning and nothing else. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt, I think that you're you're spot on there. So Stephen Adams has really struggled out of the All Star break. I think he had a couple good games to start. He played pretty well against the Pelicans, but his his defense has notably fallen off. Last night was a weird kind of a weird game for him. Like we said, he, it, him playing Dirk didn't really work. I think that that really isn't his fault. I think that's more of like a coaching thing that needed to happen there. Uh, but what do you? What, what do you think is going on? Do you have any theories about Steven Adams and kind of his rough play, or do you think this is just a slump? My awful not possible theory is that he needs to put the hand wrap back on. We yeah. thought that his hands were bad <laughs> when the hand wrap was on, but when he's taken them off, he just he's really struggled. He's turned the ball so much over so much in the post. Uh, his pick and roll coverage has not been what it was. Uh, teams like today, like Dallas, they're getting him away from the basket, which is his strength and why he's such a pillar for OKC. Uh, but it, it's, a re- it's a really tough one. I actually think it really comes down to the fact that he's not as involved as consistently. And I think that whether he knows it or not, I think that's a struggle for him. And I think that they probably need to get him a little bit more involved. When he starts a game well, he tends to push on and go from there. It would probably be worth looking into those numbers actually and seeing how he starts and if he has a good first quarter, what does that mean? But... You also see as well when he's having fouls called on him, which as we as we talk about a lot, like he seems to get uh, the bulk of bad calls because he's a physical player. So reputation is preceding him when he's getting foul calls. And that's got to be tough. And we're seeing him get more visibly frustrated than we're used to. So it's clear there's frustration coming through for him as well. So clearly he knows something's going on. But I just think it's getting him more involved. And it's also that players are getting used to new teammates and things like that. That being said, again, that's not a defensive Stephen Adams because he's been poor for probably at least the last month. Yeah, and I think what you touched on there with his fouls are re- is really interesting because he, when he came into the league, he played really physically, but he didn't get called for a whole lot because he was this skinny rookie that kind of had this fresh face and looked super innocent. Uh, but you're right now he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt at all <laughs> because they know that he's going to be physical that he's always he's always doing stuff to players he's always giving guys little jabs he's not letting guys you know come around him without like, his presence being felt so i think that's an interesting point is that he's kind of come full circle on his fouls uh and also i i agree he needs to be more involved he needs to be setting more screens i feel like i've seen doug mcdermott set more screens since the all-star break than steven adams uh he's one of the best screen centers in the league uh and he needs to be more involved you're right he needs to be able to run more pick and roll and i know the space isn't there but 
there are times where it is where you can put enough shooting out on the court with the Thunder where you can run a pick and roll with Adams, and you just don't really see that. I I think you're exactly right that he needs to be more involved. Everybody thinks that he's the second best player on this team. And when the second best player on the Thunder is not performing very well, and then also you're missing your third best player, I think that that kind of makes a ton of sense as to why the Thunder are struggling right now because they're super top-heavy, and then the role players aren't hitting shots, and then you get basically the Phoenix and Dallas game where things just look atrocious. Yeah, and the thing with Steven Adams as well, I think the people obsess about, especially since his extension, is his box scores. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing we look at after games, especially after losses. We'll look through and be like, oh, who didn't do their job? Like last night, it was all Adams, Cantor, and Westbrook. And all the other guys, at one point, I tweeted out that the other guys had scored 10 points and 101 combined on court minutes on 21 shots. Like really bad, really, really bad stuff. But that's the thing with Adams as well. Is he's not box score obsessed. He doesn't care about stats. The, one of the things that he said in an interview, I remember it might have been Fred cats posted the video this would have been just after new year and uh brett eric and fred are all asking questions to steven and he was saying i don't care about stats um i take real pride in defense um but he's he doesn't worry about if he's getting double doubles or things like that i know we had high expectations but i'm more concerned about whether he's holding the defense together what his I, I you and I are both quite advanced numbers guys. I'm looking at his deeper impact more than the the stuff on the surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what what are the what are the numbers telling you about his recent play? You said about a month he has for about a month they're he hasn't bad. been playing well. They're bad. The defense has slipped. Uh, I think on court they're five possessions worse. Five points per hundred possessions worse with him on in the last, I think, 15 games. So it's it's pretty bad considering he was, he's was he been second to Russ most of the season. Right. But what's really interesting since Ennis has come back is that the team's uh, 10, 10 points per 100 better. So I think the only silver lining of Ennis's injury is that we now appreciate, or the wider NBA now appreciates how important he is to OKC. Yeah, and it's been weird because, I mean, everything you said completely matches the eye test in that – since the Portland game, I've been like, oh, okay, I'd rather see Ennis Cantor close this game. <laughs> and yes, I haven't ever really had that thought. And I thought whenever Adams came back in against Portland, I was like, oh, man, like Ennis was playing really well. Like he wasn't getting completely destroyed on defense. And we know that he can score. Uh, I mean, he, if Adams doesn't pick up his game, I mean, Ennis deserves a bulk of the minutes. He just does. Yeah, and it's hard to defend Adams when Cantor is so productive. And he's he like let's let's not get out of control and say he's and any sort of defensive linchpin. But he's not as much of a weakness as he used to be. And I know people want to cling to that narrative, and we love our narratives in the NBA. But he is a lot better defensively than he has been in previous times. He can at least hold his own. There are still guards who roast him when they switch him in the pick and roll, but he's holding his own this season. Yeah, and I and I'm not saying that I think that oh, Ennis Cantor should start. Stephen Adams sucks. Like I'm, that's not what I'm saying at all. I just think that on a game by game basis, if Billy Donovan sees that Stephen Adams is having a bad game like he has the past few games, I think you just play Ennis Cantor, you know, thirty thirty five yep. minutes and just and just see what you can do. Because if you're not playing good defense and the Thunder weren't last night, then you need to score the basketball. <laughs> you need to go, you know 
just full offense and the best guy to do that you have in a scanter on the bench and i think you just surround him with shooters and you just see what you can do because i mean the defense it, it hasn't been working it didn't work against phoenix it didn't work uh against dallas and that's kind of scary if you can't stop those two teams uh we've already talked about that a little bit but i they can they can be better than this and i do expect them to be better once they come home Um, yeah and they're only gonna they're only going to improve with the the trade and getting used to each other a bit more but there are concerns certainly about the scheme because it's starting to get exposed so whether they'll adjust will sort of be interesting to monitor yeah uh, so the Thunder right now are still in seventh place. I at one point said they would get 50 wins. Maybe it's all my fault because I was kind of pushing that. And I thought they could win 50 games. I don't think they're going to do that now. Uh, but where do you think OKC ends up in the playoff race? Well, I think they'll catch Memphis. Uh, but this has made it hard. I mean, I was right with you on that. I thought when coming into the road trip after the win in Utah, everyone was riding a high saying, you know, 50 wins, Russ's MVP case will improve, things like that. All of a sudden it's changed vastly. They're still in the race, but with Utah's uh, win at the buzzer today and the Clippers getting a a big win for for where they've been on the road in Chicago, it's going to make it very difficult. I mean, OKC has to go 15 and four to get to 50 wins, but I think they'll get that sixth seed and I think they'll be very thankful that they do. Yeah. So do you think... What that, about you? Do you? I agree. I think sixth seed is probably their ceiling right now. I think they're better yeah. than the Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies are a really fun team. Uh, they're they're really, really solid. I just don't... I think that the Thunder have better players right now uh, from top to bottom. And I also think that they're going to be more healthy than the Grizzlies. The Grizzlies have guys like Gasol and Conley. Those are their two best players, and they get hurt a lot. Uh, they also have a guy in Chandler yeah. Parsons who's soaking up minutes that is, I mean, he's doing nothing, um, which is a big problem for them. So I I think they're better than Memphis, and I think they'll, I think that you're right, they'll end up at the sixth seed. Is it unfair to say that Chandler Parsons has the worst contract in the NBA? Uh, I think that you have to it's, start with Joe Kim Noah, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, that's just like Chandler Parsons is playing and it's still dead money. Yes. It's like, it's an awful deal. And I and it's it's gonna be worse when they have to pay him next year and the next and the next. I mean they're gonna have to yeah. probably stretch him. Yeah, and it's the same with New York and Noah. But Yeah. I just don't know what teams were thinking last summer and you you look ahead to this summer and teams just aren't gonna be doing that. It just makes you wonder what possessed what the Lakers have. Mozgov and Deng not even getting minutes right I mean all those teams were probably just praying for an amnesty provision right in the next CBA there were probably those three teams that were just (laughs) really hoping that they could just get one of these guys off their books but uh, they don't deserve to have that happen I mean they made the mistake and and what's funny you look at Portland who wanted Chandler Parsons but got Evan Turner and everybody kind of made fun of them this summer well You'd rather have Evan Turner right now than Chandler Parsons, <laughs> which is kind of a strange sentence to say, but it's true. Do, do you think that OKC would amnesty Kyle Singler if there was an amnesty provision? Oh, I hope they would. <laughs> they should. I mean, who, well, I don't think they're going to. They would use it on anybody else. That would. I mean, I think they would love to get off his deal. I try so hard to feel bad for him, but then his hair today. Uh, <laughs> 
It killed me, man. That's what I'm saying. He doesn't do himself any favors at all. If he was just, if he could just make himself like five percent likable, then I think that you could give him a break. I'm like, all right, you know, I feel bad for the guy, whatever. Like, you know what? He's robbing the Thunder of five million dollars every year. Like that's all he's doing, and he's having. He has weird hair while he's doing it. He's acting weird. He's floating. He he does himself no favors at all. I mean, I think that the best thing for his career is if when the Thunder play the Warriors, if he can convince Billy Donovan to put him in the game, if he went and just went like full-on sucker punch one of the Warriors, I think that, that would change his whole career. Everybody would love him. But he's not going to do that. He's going to continue to do his weird thing and just take $5 million. It's amazing that such a cheap contract in the modern CBA cannot be traded. <laughs> that's, just, that's just where we are at. He's, I mean, he's a bottom five player in the NBA. And bottom five yeah. players don't get paid five million dollars. They get paid five hundred thousand dollars, not five million. <laughs> oh man. Uh, let's see. Who do you think the Thunder have a better chance of beating, the Rockets or the Spurs? Because that's kind of who they're, they're going to play. One of those teams. If they're if they do get to six, they're going to play the Rockets. If they stay in seven, they're going to play the Spurs and maybe the Warriors. I don't want to talk about that though. Let's just talk about the Rockets or Spurs. Yeah, no, we can't. We can't talk about that. No. So. <laughs> No, and we can't. I can't even. I can't even fathom playing the Spurs, to be honest. Yeah, I've been watching lots of film on them, trying to write an article on them, and they are going to be so hard to beat. They are big, and they will beat the crap out of you. And like Kawhi is half man, half machine. Yeah, like he is playing a KD type of season, but his defense is just so amazing as well. So it's got to be the Rockets because we've seen in in this season's regular season matchups that those games between Houston and OKC, if OKC defends the perimeter well and gets the OK and gets the offense flowing to the point where they don't have those massive stutters for five or six minutes, those games are 50-50. Yep. And I know that the bench has improved, but we know that Lou Williams does struggle in the playoffs when refs don't fall for his attempts to draw fouls as much and things like that. I I don't consider OKC to be favorites, but they're they're 55, 45, 60, 40 in that series. Yeah, I, I think that series would be super fun. And I, I I do think ultimately the Rockets would win, but I think it'd be six, maybe even seven games. Uh, I think it just really is going to come down to uh, are the Rockets hitting their threes and then who's better, Russ or Harden? Because uh, I think that in the playoffs, I think OKC will show up on the defensive end. Uh, I'm it's it's iffy, you know, what are you getting from everybody else? I think that Cantor can play a lot in that series, uh, which has been surprising about the way that they played the Rockets this season, that Cantor's been able to hold his own against them. Uh, so I think that he can play a lot, which is helpful. I don't think you can play Adams and Cantor together a lot, but I think that he can play without it being a huge problem. And, you know, Russell Westbrook has really gotten to do whatever he's wanted against the Rockets, and you know, it's it's nice to have Doug McDermott on the team now. It's nice to have a guy like Todd Gibson who can defend most of their, their big men or even some of their wings. I think that you can put him on even Ariza if they go super small in spots, and he'll be able to hold his own. So I, I like the matchup. I think that the storylines would be really fun and, and not as hurtful as Golden State, <laughs> OKC. Okay, um, but, yeah, I, I do think that – I th- do think the Rockets are better, and there's some people that are that think the Rockets are better than the Spurs. What do you, What do you think about that? Uh, I just think I don't think we can say that. I think 
we owe the Spurs too much um, in terms of what they've what they've come from and what they've done before. And I know that it's, it's this season, but they've also got a better record. Like they might catch Golden State, mm-hmm. and I mean they're resting players as they do, and they're just doing Spurs things. And so this, it's the Spurs for me. But I think in terms of playing Golden State, if I was Golden State, I wouldn't want to play Houston rather than San Antonio. Yeah, I I think the Spurs are better. I think I think one thing that we kind of get lost in is thinking that the we just look at like Tony Parker and we look at Pau Gasol and think that oh well neither of them can defend, neither of them are very good. Uh, Manu Ginobili is old. Um, I think that I think that everybody's too wrapped up in that stuff. But then when you look at this team, like if you listed off who their team was, you think well. You know, Kawhi's good at defense, so is Danny Green, but there's no way that they've put together like an elite defense. Well, they're first in defense. Like they're they're the number one team. Like that's the number one team. And that's where I think that that people get lost a little bit is that this is a team game with the best coach in basketball coaching the Spurs, and they have put it together and they are very cohesive. They know exactly what they want to do. Their system really, their defense is helped by their system and they all know how to play it. You have guys like Tony Parker and Ginobili who are older. And you also have guys like David Lee and Pau Gasol. If you like those four guys, if they were on any other team, they may help put together the worst defense in the league. Uh, But with the Spurs, uh, I think that they're just completely underrated, uh, which is kind of silly for the second best team in the West, they they're at forty eight and thirteen, and people are still underrating them uh, because they, I think they've been virtually invisible this season. I mean, no one talks about them. Exactly, we'll talk about Kawhi Leonard, uh, but beyond that, this team is pretty invisible. No one talks about them, uh, but they're very very good. And I I think that if the Spurs played the Rockets, I would I would pick the Spurs. I just I, I don't think that you can go against what what they've done and. Uh, the caliber of coaching they have. Well, yeah, and that's it. And I think you take the best player as well. I think Kawhi Leonard is the best player in that series. So, And that's the thing about them playing the Warriors as well. I think with how well Kawhi is playing, like as an individual, you could almost take him equally with Steph or KD in terms of like overall ability. Like that's just how mm-hmm. much he's improved. It's, it's, it's it's scary, and the fact that the Spurs have turned David Lee back into an NBA player is all the more amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's been really weird. Um, I think if Kawhi Leonard would smile a little bit more, that everyone would believe you that he's as good as those two guys. <laughs> I think that's all it would take. Uh, just, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's look at some Twitter questions. Uh, this comes from K Blobber. Um, McDermott starting at small forward, Robertson at shooting guard, and Oladipo as the backup point guard. What are your thoughts? Uh, I'd prefer to keep uh, Andre Robertson as a small forward. I know we don't like to talk too much about positions nowadays because they're sort of defunct, but I think in in the way that basketball's moved out now, Robertson is probably better as a small forward. I think that Doug McDermott is not playing near well enough to start right now. I think that I think it's that sexy shooting idea that. Abrinas has put in everyone's heads yeah. that's now obviously obviously dead. But uh, And I don't like the idea of bringing Oladipo off the bench. Now, I'd like him to play with the second unit, but that just means subbing him out earlier. So, like, I, I don't think Norris Cole plays in the playoffs unless absolutely necessary. 
I think he's uh, I think he'll be the third string point guard in terms of Oladipo playing a lot of second uh, second unit minutes. Um, I don't know. It's not really for me. What about you? Yeah, I think that they're. I think they should just stick with what they've got. Uh, I think the defense drops significantly if you bring in Doug McDermott uh, for Oladipo. And you're right. He's gonna he's gonna play spot minutes. He's gonna basically be like the Anthony Morrow to this team. Although right now it doesn't look like it. But when you bring Victor Oladipo back, you're gonna want to play him 35 minutes a game, and then those minutes just immediately shrink for Abrinas and for McDermott. Uh, I think that they'll both play important roles, but I think that you want uh, Oladipo to have a bigger role than them. Uh, and, I, and I do think that now that Norris Cole is on the team, like he's, he's serviceable. Like he's, he is a, he's a backup point guard. He's, he's going to be fine. He, he didn't shoot the ball well last night, but he's, he's a fine player. He can play defense and they even played him next to rest a little bit. There was some kind of some weird experimenting going on last night with Billy Donovan. Uh, but I, I think that they keep it as is. I think that they trust Norris Cole. They've been after him for a long time. That name has been linked to the Thunder for a long time. They've wanted him to come over here. Uh, and I think that they want to play him. So uh, I I do like the idea of Victor getting the ball a little bit more, but I think that you're right. I think they're going to save that for the playoffs. Uh, from at Allen underscore Miller 12, which is affecting the Thunder play more? Missing on the depot, adding three new players to the system, or terrible defense. He also includes all of the above, but I just want to know what you think is the most important. So Oladipo, three new players to the system, or their terrible defense. I think it's Oladipo if I had to pick one. I think that OKC is the type of roster that we saw. I mean, we saw it with Kansas injury, trade or no trade. Um, the team struggles when you take out one major part. The, the rest of the body just doesn't seem to be able to function as well. So I think when you're a, when you're not a contender. I think when you lose any key rotation player, particularly your second scoring option, your best small wing defender, uh, you can't replace that. I mean, are you going to ask Abrinas to take that role in defense? No, because he's getting roasted. We saw that against Utah. They targeted him every time down the stretch, and he got burned, and that's why he can't play big minutes. So for me, it's definitely Oladipo. Yeah, and and it throws off all the rotations. And what's what kind of sucks is that we haven't even been able to see what this team looks like post trade. Uh, yes, because he hasn't been he hasn't played, and so I think a lot of clarity will come whenever he comes back into the lineup, and you'll see like, oh, so this is what Abrinas is supposed to be doing, and this is what Doug McDermott is supposed to be doing. Uh, but right now, both those guys are shouldering a massive load that I don't think the Thunder really intended them to carry. I don't think that the Thunder want them to do that, at least now. They're both young players. I know McDermott's 25, but he's he's still a young player. He's still not what the Thunder want him to be uh, on the defensive end, although I don't think he's been that bad. Um, I think that they still want to develop him and help bring him into the system. And if you read any of the News OK stuff that Brett Dawson did, uh, I mean, you can you know how chaotic this time is for them. I mean, they're living out of a hotel, living out of you know whatever his brother threw in his bag. Um, like this is just a chaotic time of life, and being on the road, being with all these new guys, you know, learning a new system, being with a new coach. I mean, there's just a lot that goes into it. Uh, but I do think that Oladipo, um, they they miss Oladipo the most, and I think that he will help the defense. He'll help kind of solidify stuff. He's a vocal guy. Uh, I, th- I think that that will help. And also just him not being on the road trip at all. 
I think that like personalities, like he's a strong personality. And I'm not saying that like, oh, they lost, you know, these three games because Victor wasn't with them. But I do think that like makes a difference, like as far as like how you go into games and like, you know, just feeling kind of normal going into a game, missing a strong personality like that is, is probably like a, like 0.5% of a factor at least. I think it matters in the sense that they're just traveling so much and you don't have that extra voice around that, that support in the locker room. I think that matters when you're struggling, traveling a lot, not getting a chance to practice. I think, um, I think it's like anything. You just notice the fact that they're not there. I know it's like you said on court, it doesn't matter too much, but it can't not have an impact. Right. Uh, another one from at Allen underscore Miller 12. What's your guys stance on Barkley's statement of Russell Westbrook doing quote unquote too much. Should his teammates be given more blame or accountability? Um, can we just not watch the NT anymore? <laughs> that would be Please? okay with me. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, sorry. I just think the, the record speaks for itself that the fact that they're, uh, what is it? I think they're 11 and 21 when he doesn't get a triple double and 24 and 6 when he does. So Charles can say whatever he likes. It's actually no, 11 22 because of today. So. Uh, no, I will take, I will take the no on Charles Barkley. I'll just, um, I don't even know what to say to him anymore. It's absurd. I mean, the the thing about him, like, oh, he's already decided to get his triple doubles. That's already been decided. But he really needs to rely on his teammates more. Well, I mean, we saw what happens when he doesn't rely on his teammates the last few games. And when he is getting triple doubles, that is when he's relying on his teammates. Yes. Uh, yes. I, I don't, I don't understand the separating of the two um, because we saw like, in Portland. I mean, so there's something about Russ playing against the Blazers and playing in Portland where he just has to just destroy these guys. I think he probably looks at Dame and CJ and he's like, "I'm going to kill you. Like I'm so much better than you." And there, he just has to take all the shots. And I'm, I, don't, I don't know what it is, but he just has to. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just a it's a weird statement from somebody who's supposed to be like an NBA analyst where he's saying like things it's like ah oh, the water should be you know either wet or wet, you know, like no, like, <laughs> like that's ridiculous. Um so I I don't know. I I think you know, I I think Bar- Barkley's entertaining. I think TNT guys are entertaining. Um, but if that's where we're going for our hardcore hardcore analysis, like we you, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> well, that's that's the frustrating thing is because there are there are fans who watch that and that influences their opinion and then that drives right. these constant arguments we find ourselves in on Twitter or that we witness on Twitter. And all I can say is like it's the same with people saying that Russ stat pads chases triple doubles if russ was chasing triple doubles he wouldn't have gone three games without one so let's just stop that yeah especially when it's helping them let's just stop that yeah well hopefully the thunder can bounce back they play portland at home on tuesday and then they get san antonio and utah at home which doesn't look (laughs) too great um but who knows the thunder team can be much better than they are today uh adam thanks for coming on the podcast today we can follow you on twitter at adam joseph sport we can also uh go to your site 16 wins a ring it's a really cool uh, nba website that adam started this year uh they've had a ton of success already and i really love going to it and reading their stuff so adam uh, anything else that you'd like to plug no i don't have anything to plug uh just really uh stoked to come on 
I've listened to the show since before I was a writer. So it was an honor. Yeah. Thanks, Adam. And uh, we will talk to you guys with John Hamm on Wednesday.